When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Science, exercise, nutrition, health, energy, passion. One year, no beer. This is the One Year No Beer podcast, where you will find all the latest tips, tricks, and hacks for a way to live better. Welcome to another episode of the One Year No Beer podcast. I am Ruri Fairbairns, your host today. Now, we're going to do something fairly unorthodox today because it's pretty special circumstances. You may or may not remember, depending on how many of these wonderful podcasts you've listened to over the years, uh, you may or may not remember a Dr. Sean Stevenson. Um, Dr. Sean Stevenson is known as the three-foot giant. Um, He was born with a, a disease called, I might not get this right, so bear with me, osteogenesis imperfecta. Actually, I think that was perfect, but there you go. Um, And that means that his bones were very brittle. He didn't really grow in his body. So Sean has been in a wheelchair uh, for most of his life. And the terrible thing for him and his disease is that just by sneezing or coughing, he could break a rib and it would take him months to recover. Now, the thing about Sean is um, I had the pleasure of meeting him over in the US last year. And then off the back of that, we did a podcast together. And so today, I am going to play that podcast once again, but really, the reason why we're playing that podcast again is unfortunately very sad, but Sean died last week due to a wheelchair accident. Unfortunately, Sean suffered a critical head injury and never recovered. He never woke up. This is such a sad thing because Sean was inspirational to me. I mean, meeting him was amazing. I saw him speak a number of times on stage. I had a chance to speak to him one-on-one. We did the podcast together. And his insights, his thoughts on life and how we live a good life and how we look after ourselves and how important that is are just so phenomenal for somebody who is so limited. You know, and he was not limited. He was limitless. And so there's so much to learn from Sean Stevenson. There's so much to learn from this podcast alone that I felt it was really important that we, um, in his honor, uh, we played it again. And I think if you if you do listen to this and you do enjoy it, then please go and search Sean Stevenson. That's S-E-A-N, Stevenson with a P-H. Uh, perhaps have a look him up on YouTube or on Facebook. He has over a million followers on Facebook because he changed the world. I mean, he really had an impact on people's lives. Um, and for such a small guy um, with what seems on the outset like uh, so many limitations, he was limitless. So Sean, I know you're hopefully listening up there. Big love to you um, and lots of love and thoughts to their family. Please enjoy this podcast. Let us know what you think. Over to Dr. Sean Stevenson. So Sean, thank you so much for coming on the One Year No Beer podcast with me. How are you doing today? I'm amazing. Glad to be here, bud. Awesome. Good. To, and um, last time I saw you was um, in Arizona and we were both at uh, an event together. 
Um, I saw you speak again, just so inspired as always dive more and more into what you are doing. And I was like, Sean, we've got to get you on the podcast. We've got to get your message across to our people because it's just amazing stuff. Happy to do this. By way of going for a bit of intro, tell our members about you. As I mentioned in the beginning, you know, you were told you were going to be dead within 24 hours and um, you're <laughs> 35 years later, you're the only doctor still standing. 38 now. 38. Wow. 38. Yeah, getting old. So... I would say that what people will find most interesting about my backstory is, of course, my container that I'm in. Uh, and, you know, I had a lot of physical pain growing up. My bones were extremely fragile. So when I would sneeze, I would, I would break ribs. Sometimes playing video games too intensive, you know, intensely, uh, I would snap an arm Um I don't really share that because it's kind of embarrassing almost that playing a video game would break my arms. Um, if somebody startled me, I could easily uh, break a leg. Um, so just a lot, a lot of fear uh, was running through my body at all times that I was going to be uh, introduced to more excruciating pain. And that definitely you would think would shape my personality to be a scaredy cat, but in some ways it, it developed a lot of my courage because I had a choice to either be afraid every minute of every day that something was going to startle me or upset me and then cause a fracture to my bones. Or I could just say, hey, I, I, let's hope that today is a day that we're not in pain. Um, and because of that, I have had, you know, a lot of time that I missed in school. Uh, I didn't, uh, didn't, you know, one year, I think I missed something like 87 days of school, uh, because of injuries. And I had multiple surgeries on my body to try to strengthen or lengthen, uh, my bones and my body rejected all the surgeries, which was it's painful to go through something. It's no different than like, say, starting a business. You know, you uh, you start something and you put a ton of attention into it. And then let's say it doesn't grow. And you're like, man, I would have been better off doing something else and, and failing at it and not spending a ton of money. In the, you know, like all those surgeries were for not. They didn't work. And so I put myself through a lot of physical uh, trauma for something that didn't even uh, make a difference. But we didn't know that. Um, so my childhood was filled with a lot of disappointment. There was a lot of things I couldn't do. I really, really wanted to play basketball. Couldn't do that. Uh, I wanted to go ride bikes with my friends in the woods. Couldn't do that. And, and even though I'm painting kind of a grim picture, I had a pretty good positive attitude because I had contrast at a very young age. When you've been in excruciating, blood-curdling, screaming pain in your life hundreds of times, the days that you're not, you're very grateful. And I believe that that level of consciousness that I was able to develop from that contrast, it turned me into the man I am today. You know, the, uh, the individual who hopefully uh, has some wisdom to bring this planet and, uh, a tremendous amount of empathy. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing because 
Um, like you're saying, I think anyone who's been through what you have been through could have a very dark um, outlook on life. And that's really the reflection that if anyone can take, often it's about perspective. And I know that you talk about that a lot. You talk about um, having the right perspective. Well, it's not just about perspective. It's also about the, the ability to bounce back because I want to create a realistic view of, of what I've gone through. And that is, I've gone to those dark places. I've, I've been in that place where I want to die. I've, I've been to that place where I felt all alone. I've been to that place where I thought, what the hell am I doing here on this planet if I am going to be tortured uh, by my own genetics? So I went there. I'm no different than any other human being. It's not that I, I was immune to those feelings in those places. It's just that I didn't stay there for long. And I think that may be the key is I drew some conclusions that you were re referencing as perspectives, but I drew some conclusions at a young age that uh, really helped me a lot. One of the conclusions that I drew uh, was that when you feel sorry for yourself, no one wants to hang out with you. They'll tolerate you at best. And so when you feel sorry for yourself and, and people don't want to hang out with you, you end up being really lonely. And I didn't like being lonely. I still to this day, uh, isolation brings up more pain than anything because as a child, I spent a lot of time healing by myself and uh, not able to be with my friends and at school. Like it was a punishment to keep me out of school, to draw these conclusions that really helped. One of them was that when you feel sorry for yourself, people don't want to hang out with you. Another one is that when you're bitter, no one wants to help you. Even though you're crying out for help. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, another one is that when you choose thoughts that are surrounding the, the concept of unfair, you always lose. You know, every single time you get into the debate about what's fair, you'll go crazy. You know, you can't look at the world and your reality through the lens of fair or unfair because it will drive you nuts. And and I've learned that fairness is in the eye of the beholder because I I feel that that in my reality I chose this is later down the path of my life. I, I did a lot of spiritual uh journeying and a lot of spiritual research and meditation and prayer. And I just found that, that everything I have in my reality is for me. It's all for my betterment. You know, like I have questions on my board here buying the camera. And one of the questions that I ask myself each morning is, uh, what would your life be like if you treated everything that happened as if you wanted it? And that's a game changer. Another one, another one I ask myself in the morning is, what would your life be like if you felt good no matter what happened? Yeah. Like uh, Joel says, 
That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make it a great day. Make it a great day. Some some uh, Maisie stuff I just want to go into into deeper into there, perhaps because I'm reflecting on that, what you've just said there, personally, myself, right at this moment. Sure. So I think some people, let's even call myself, I, I was at times waiting for rock bottom. I was waiting for, I would view... Let, let me be honest. Maybe I view even your situation as saying, well, he got to such a difficult state that then forced his hand to go into a better state. And for many people, for, for me, in times of my life, I'm just caught in this rabbit hole waiting for something to force my hand. Now, I'm lucky because when I chose to change my relationship with alcohol, it wasn't a rock bottom. I made a, a, a positive choice. But if I think about the times like maybe now when there are a lot of dark thoughts, there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of stress and this circle is going round and I am miserable to be around and nobody wants to be around me or hear what I'm saying. And, and to say, well, you just, you know, you can't think like that or it changes. What do you actually have to do? What do you do to stop it? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the hardest thing. Here's what I do. As an entrepreneur, you know, when people meet me, they're like, oh, Sean's biggest challenge must be his disability. No, it's not. Uh, my biggest challenge is growing my business. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and that puts me into a much bigger category than having a disability, right? So when I think about the challenges that I go through, one of the, one of the ways that I deal with the challenges that you're referencing here is I reach out to people who are going through bigger challenges and I see how I can support them. Um, here's one of the little, it's little that I do, but for some reason it helps. I have a big community of people that follow me on social media and some nights before I go to bed, if I'm if I'm feeling sorry for myself, I will ask people, is there anything I can pray for, for you? I'm not a religious man, uh, but I'm very spiritual and uh, I definitely uh, believe in the power of of intention and prayer and, and energy. So what happens, I get a flood, literally hundreds, sometimes even thousands of people telling me what to pray for for them. And I sit there and I feel like I have a tiny, tiny window into what it must be like to be God. And what I mean by that is how many people are going through their own struggles and seeing that it's overwhelming in both an intense and beautiful way because I'm reading about like my child is struggling with an addiction. He's in and out of prison and I haven't seen him in seven years. Uh, another person's like my, my wife is dying of cancer. We have five kids all under the age of nine and I don't know how I'm going to survive taking care of them. And it just goes on and on and it doesn't end. I mean, I, I will try to respond to them in a very, genuine way but the the more I respond the more that come in and I can never keep up but what happens is as I close my phone before I go to sleep that night I am just like wow there is just so many things that I take for granted I'm not you know every night you go to bed and you're not in a hospital pretty good night and every night you go to bed and you're not in excruciating pain is a pretty good night uh, so contrast in helping those out around you. You know, one of my buddies went through the 
uh, Navy SEALs training course. And the SEALs have a, a great uh, technique that I would offer you, which is whenever they want to quit, whenever they feel weak, they look around to the people, their, their Navy SEAL buddies, who is near me that might need a boost? And then they'll go over there and they'll like put their hand on their back or they'll give them a, a smile or they'll, they'll, they'll give them a grunt or something and, and they will help this person near them and it takes their mind off their own struggle. Yeah. So I like that. Uh, as, silly as, as silly as it might be, sometimes you need to be looking around more uh, because I also know that if you had to feed the homeless every night, put blankets on children sleeping on the street, you wouldn't tuck yourself in feeling all sorry for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes we insulate ourselves where all we think about is the challenges in our marriages or in our businesses or in growing a, a, a passion of ours. And we feel like, oh, man, I'm, I'm just so burdened. And then it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Were you shot at today? Were, were, were you stabbed? Were you, were you, were you beaten? Did you get food? Yeah. Did you lose somebody? You know, and th that's absolutely right. Getting your own perspective on your life. Um, so that's, that's one. Another thing that I'd like to offer you and your listener is I have a formula that I call the unstoppable formula that really helps get you back on track when you're feeling stuck and dark and overwhelmed. It's both simple and complex. It's simple because I'm going to be able to explain it to you in a few moments, but it's complex because it takes a lifetime to master. You know, it's kind of like a, the game of poker, right? Or chess. I could teach you how to do it in maybe 15 minutes, but then it's going to take you a lifetime to get good at it. Yeah. Right. If you're lucky. <laughs> so knowing something and mastering something are worlds apart. Right. So the unstoppable formula, uh, is this something that you want to learn? Is this something you think would be a value? Yeah, definitely. Un the unstoppable formula sounds like sounds perfect. Give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> so the first phase, there's three phases. Uh, the first phase is you want to make sure you have impeccable self-care. And I systemize my self-care. I am, I am neurotic. I am borderline autistic with my self-care uh, because I have a graph paper that I carry around. Mindy, my wife, makes fun of me because she's like, you can't, why, why do you carry a tablet of graph paper? But I think you could keep it in a journal or something. But no, if I have a tablet of graph paper and going down on one of the axes, uh, I have all my self-care activities. These are things like hydrate, exercise, uh, be out in nature, read, mentor somebody, get mentored by somebody, uh, spend time with your friends, these, these self-care activities, proper hygiene and grooming. Uh, and then I have something called my, my, so that's my when life works list. And then underneath that, I have my win business works list. And those are things like be on podcasts, showcase uh, your, your speaking abilities at an event, 
have a sales conversation with somebody who might be interested in your products or services. Uh, write your your list in the day, and I have all those all uh, in the list. And then on the other axis, I have all the days of the month, so one through thirty-one. And then each day when I get up, I look at all the things that I need to do. Now, I'm not going to get them all done by any stretch of the imagination. But here's what I found. I've been tracking this for quite some time. Tim Ferriss would be proud. What I've done is I found that the more things I do on my win life and win business works list that I'm able to check off by the end of the day, the better my mood it's amazing. And so then I score my mood at the end of the day and I see such strong correlations between my self-care and my quality of life, my, my overall mental state. So on the days that I do six things on my win life works list and five things on my win business works list, let's say I'm at an eight, you know, I'm, I, I'm an eight out of 10 in, in a mood. On the days that I do three things on my win life works list and two things on my win business works list, now I might be down to like five on my mood. Now, here's what's also really fascinating to me, and that is it's not to say that when you do your self-care list that everything's going to go your way. Things still might crash and burn around you, but you you have mental stability and you're centered to handle it. So I had something recently I noticed that I had checked off a lot of boxes, but I still had a low number. But then I thought about, it wasn't super low. It was like, say, a six out of 10. And I was like, wow, but I did a lot of things on my list. But then I looked back on my calendar and saw that was some, a day that I lost uh, a big account in my business. And so even though I had this bad thing happen, it only brought me to a six. It would have brought me to a two before. Mm, because you were doing those daily, daily things that make you right. feel happy. Yeah. And there's another thing about this, which is on the days that I do maybe just a couple things on my list, but something really good happens my mood isn't as good as you would think because I didn't do the internal work. Yeah. Yeah. So if I, let's say I landed a speech at uh, 15,000 us or 20,000 us. If I didn't do many things on my win life works or win business works list that day, I'll immediately internally start to complain and go, well, why wasn't it a higher fee? Right. Yeah. So I even take a good activity or, or not activity, a good action and I will belittle it. Why? Because I didn't, I didn't take care of myself internally. So I do impeccable self-care and I track it out. And this is what I'm doing. In 2018, I have committed to spend every single day tracking my self-care. So I travel with my notepad. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to build a study around this, a case study of my, myself. By the end of 2018, I'm going to make a talk showing, charting it all out and making the case that self-care is the cure to insecurity. When you have taken impeccable, when you have impeccable self-care, your insecurities can't crawl up your spine and hijack your brain and get you to feel like garbage. 
So that's the first phase, impeccable self-care. Now, I used to think that was enough, but it's not. There's two other things. The next one is you need to get connected, or as I call, align with your life purpose. Like, why were you born? What were you put on this planet to do for all of us, for humanity, for the planet? For me, I was here to rid the world of insecurity, so I need to be teaching this stuff. Because my life is a laboratory. I live in a body that should be riddled with insecurities. For most people, it would be. And so because of that, I've had an incredible laboratory to reverse engineer how do I shut them off. And here's what I found. You can't get rid of insecurities, but you can stay ahead of them and keep them dormant. That's what I found. Now, I know that there's other experts out there that will tell you, oh, I got rid of all mine. And I say bullshit. If you don't stay on your when life works list, if you do what I call the when life sucks list, and when you're on your when life sucks list and you're not taking care of yourself, it's only a matter of time you're going to crumble. Your self-esteem is going to nosedive. And I, I find when I sit with my clients, if they're miserable, I'm like, I, you don't even have to tell me. I know you're not taking care of yourself. I just know it. It's, it's, it's a mathematical thing. My purpose is to rid the world of insecurity. And whenever I get overwhelmed, I've been close to death about four times where I felt like I'm, I'm done here. I'm not going to get to make it to the night. Uh, it's been my life purpose that called me back. It's been my life purpose that there's, there's more people out there that need to, to hear not just my message, but the, the message that's coming through me. I don't own it. Others have talked about it as well, but I have my version of it, my story. And when people get connected to their, like you're no, no beer for one year. Is that what it's called? One year, no beer. Yep. One year, no beer. Like that's your purpose. And you know, when you get people onto that, things radically turn around for them. And so no matter how sucky your life gets, no matter how challenged you might feel, when you get back in alignment with your life purpose, you find another gear to get back out there and to keep moving forward. And when people have life purpose, they don't need caffeine. <laughs> yeah. When you are working in flow, when you feel that what you're doing is right, and things move and doors open for you and, and stuff shifts. And it is amazing. And, um, you know, it's something we work with people on the masterminds. We go very deep into their meaning, their purpose and trying to pull that forward. Cause there's so much research out there to say that actually, you know, helping people heal with addictions is about pulling forward that purpose. For me, I know two things when it comes to purpose, you haven't found your purpose yet. If you wouldn't die for it, and if you wouldn't be homeless for it, like I would keep doing what I'm doing, even if you took away my homes, my car, you, you took away all my money, I would sleep on friends' couches and I would run it on a cell phone if I had to. And I would just keep doing this. I would be doing this podcast right now under a fucking bridge, excuse my language, under a bridge if if I had to. And so when people are like, well, I tried my hand at it for a couple of years and things got tight. So then I got a job. 
And I'm like, okay, well, if you have children and you have to support yourself and, and, and that's your story, that's fine. But for me, for me, I would rather lose everything and stay on my life purpose than have it all and be off my life purpose. Amen to that. <laughs> totally yeah. and totally agree with you. So then there's a third and final phase of being unstoppable. And if you don't get this one right, it's never going to work for you. In the beginning, I thought the first two were enough. I thought if you had impeccable self-care and life purpose, you're unstoppable. And then I realized, nope. And this last one I have to share with you is the artist. And that's it. You need an empowering environment. And that means people, places, and things that you surround yourself with need to be empowering. If you have, and let me make this clear, if you have just one person in your life that is negative and that is not empowering you, and when you're around them, you question yourself, I believe at the end of the day, you can't afford to have anything in your reality that doesn't empower you, that doesn't bring out the best version of you. Now, that doesn't mean surround yourself with yes people who only feed your ego. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can only have people around you that hold you to the best and highest standards and that when you're around them, you feel like a better person and you want to do more and be more and have more and experience more. I'm, I have left my family. I have left some friends. I have left lovers. I have left many people on this journey. In fact, I made a list in my journal yesterday of people that I have left. And it was a long list. And man, if most people saw it, they would be like, wow, you're ruthless. You are a really mean person to leave all those people behind. And if you look at it that way, you're right. I am. But if you look at it in a way that I am here for a, a reason and that if anyone stands in my way of my empowerment and my greatness and my self-respect, they got to go. They have to go. And so I have moved to another part of the country than where I was born because I didn't feel empowered in the city that I was raised. It was a great place to be as a child, but it was not who, where I wanted to be as an adult. I wanted to see the sunshine every day. I couldn't handle the gray clouds. I couldn't handle the cold weather. It wasn't empowering for me. It had to go. I had to go. Same thing with people in my life. I, I look at it this way. The people in your life, they're all members of your team. And some people, when they are not performing or when they are pulling you down, you have to bench them. You have to say, you know what? Nope. Get your act together. I'm putting you on the bench. And then some people, you bring them off the bench again and they do the same thing again. And you bring them off the bench and they have enough bad performances, you got to cut them from the team. And a bad performance is maybe being dramatic and, and doing things that derail your confidence, derail your happiness, derail your boundaries, where you say, I won't be treated this way. And they do it again and again and again. At some point, you have to shut that off. And an empowering environment isn't just people. It's also places and things. So, for instance, 
if I am miserable, I know I'm not surrounding myself with learning materials. I know I'm not learning something every single day. When I am committed to opening up a video course and going through just maybe 45 minutes a day or pulling out a book and reading for 30 minutes to an hour a day or going to a coffee shop and journaling for an hour a day, if I'm not doing these things to expand myself, then I'm not in an empowering environment. And so it's amazing because the the most talented successful minded person if they are in an if they are in an environment that is toxic and limiting it's only a matter of time and they will crumble you know you take any person no matter how much willpower they think they have and you put them into a crack house for a year you come back in a year they will be smoking crack yeah i just i don't care how fine you say oh, i could do it fine five years it's I don't only, think I don't think it would take me a year. <laughs> it's only a matter of time, right? Yeah. And here's why: because whether it's a place that you're living in or people you're hanging out with, here's when you are most susceptible, and that is when you're questioning yourself. And we all do it. When you question yourself in a limiting environment, you will begin to believe limiting beliefs. And you'll begin to believe limiting thoughts. So if you are going through a dark period and you feel like, what's the point of even living? And you hang out with somebody who's already a mess and they say, you're right. Maybe we should just jump in front of a train. When you're in that dark space and you get bad advice, that's when you're the most vulnerable. That's why you have to be around people who are so empowering and so gifted at seeing the, the powers within you and pulling them out that they, they help rock, you know, raise you up on the days that you want to just jump off that bridge. So you need all three of these. If you have impeccable self-care, you're completely aligned with your life purpose and you have an empowering environment, you won't be stopped. And anytime I find somebody who's stopped, who's, at the end of their rope, who's miserable, one of those three, if not all three of them, are falling apart. So I ask you, since you opened this up in an honest conversation, where do you struggle the most on that formula? Um, I mean, I think I think it's an amazing formula. Uh, before I answer that question, I'm just going to say, uh, I'm going to kind of divert it around a bit. I will answer the question. But um, for many people, I think the number three is probably the hardest and then number two is, is is second most difficult, and number one. So you've you've ordered them in order of priority as well. You know, if you're sitting, if you're listening now and thinking, I can't get rid of, you know, difficult marriage. You know, it's not just like cast off your marriage. You know, you've got kids together. But but so for for most people, uh, well, for all people, sure, surely is start with number one, <laughs> get number one really nailed down, then number two number two nailed down, and number three. So so since I did open this up to myself. I think that with the with the workload and what's been going on um, with the business, I think that the self care thing has has come down. I mean, just working till the small hours, um, priorities the wrong way around. The passion, the purpose, if you like, is is swallowing up everything else, and it's really important to have time for family. And well, as you said, self care the most important thing. 
Joe Polish actually sent me on a 30-day yoga sin bin. So um, first day today. <laughs> so I'm like, that's it, yoga every day now. So yeah, uh, focusing on that self-care. I mean, that's the thing as well for me. I think writing down that list you've created of both when life is working and when business works and making sure I tick those off, that is my definite call to actions from this podcast. I put it in like a pyramid. The base is your self-care. Then the next level is when you got your self-care humming, you have a lot more energy. And that's when you can start looking for your purpose. And if you haven't found it, keep at it. And then when you find that, then it really comes down to, do you have people around you in an environment that supports those first two? Because, and this is what makes me maybe sound a bit harsh. And maybe in the past, I wouldn't have said this out of fear of not being liked. But I have who I need in my life now. I have enough friends and enough uh, support that I'm okay with people not liking me. And so I'm here to say the, the tough thing that most people won't, which is if you are in a relationship, whether it's a friendship, a marriage, or connection to your family, and you're miserable every single day, you got to get out. You need either, you either need to step up because you're the problem or you need to step up because you're the problem and not leaving. And that's the hard part is no one wants to go through a divorce. No one wants to say goodbye to a family member. No one wants to cut off a long-term friendship. But if every single time you're with them, you're miserable, you're questioning yourself, you're in pain, and you only long for the good old days, life is short. You need to figure out, you need to figure out what are you, you know, trying to do CPR on a corpse. You know, you need to have a time to call it and say, this isn't working. And sometimes, sometimes if you call it and you say, I'm done here and you go your separate ways can be the greatest gift that you could give them because that's when they realize, wow, my behavior was so out of line that I drove away the person that I claimed to love the most. And then and only then do they have an opportunity, a chance at personal growth. But if you keep if you keep clinging to them and letting them cling to you out of fear of hurting them, you actually might be causing them to become weaker. Yeah. That is the hard truth. Um I also think it's really important to fight hard for your uh, for, for for your marriage and um highly recommend anyone two things I all highly recommend. First of all, I think the first step before anyone even considers anything in divorce or problems in their relationship is to take at least 90 days off alcohol uh, because it is only numbing. It's only causing your relationship troubles. There is no good to be had at that. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is if you haven't done some form of mediation, if you haven't sat down together, even if the other person point blank refuses, surely it's better than divorce. But I do believe, you know, trying to get somebody else to have a proper communication um, be a good first step 
Yeah, yeah. you need to be right with you first. Yeah, yeah. You need to be healthy. You need to be mentally sound. You need to, to be your best self. Yeah. And then you need to see, do they, do the two of you, because I know, I've had at least three different times in my marriage where my wife and I were strongly considering a divorce. And the reason why we stayed together is because when we got down to this fundamental question, we decided it was worth it. And that question is, are we both willing to do the work here? Because if only one person is willing to do the work, no. it's never going to work. It's never going to work. I want to talk more about self-esteem. I want to talk about um, building self-esteem. You know, what do you think? Um, obviously, we've got the unstoppable formula, but what else do you think people can integrate into their uh, into their day um, to to improve self-esteem? I think progress feels better to our self-esteem than achievement. And the difference is, achievements already happened. Progress is what you're doing right now what you're working on. And let's say I start a project. I think like a businessman because I've been one for 23 years. And let's say I have this project that I just started and it makes me uh, $100 uh, a sale, right? And then I have this other project that I've worked on uh, for years that makes me $20,000 a sale. That new project that I just launched that's making me $100 a sale, sometimes I get more excited to see those sales come in than I do an old project that brings in 20000 And it doesn't make sense because you would think you'd want 20000 and of course you do, logically, but emotionally, the progress of saying, cool, we've improved the conversion rates, cool, We're, we've reached out to new people, this is starting to sell. That progress feels so good. And so you need to figure out what are the little things that you can set up in your life to feel progress. There's a really good book called One Small Step by Robert Moyer. And it's about the, the uh, Kaizen method. And the Kaizen method is uh, what they used in um, Japan. They still do in like the Toyota uh, car factories that uh, you work on one little thing until you get it right and then you add another then you add another then you add another and the book references how when they build a piano if they really do a great job with it they don't see how many pianos they can crank out in a day if a craftsman is working on a piano they see how many amazing instruments can be built. And so they put their craftsmanship in not the number, but in the quality. And some days it might take, you know, two weeks to build a piano. Sometimes maybe it's a week, but it's this craftsmanship. It's not about obsessing about the quantity. It's about focusing on the quality and getting that little tiny steps of progress you know, I, when I fall off my exercise habits, I use the, the Kaizen, Kaizen method and I will just go into the gym and stretch and then I'll eat 
And the next day I'll go back in and I'll go into the gym, I'll stretch and I'll just do push-ups. And then I'll leave. And then the next day I'll go in and I'll stretch, I'll do push-ups. And I keep adding just one more activity until in about seven days I fully integrated into my workout and I, I think of myself as back in shape and like ready to go. And this is what's funny is when you take little steps, in the beginning you get a little impatient, but then it just happens to boil so slowly until finally you realize, wow, I'm, I'm fully in this. It wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. Uh, but everybody wants to be just like black or white. You know, I either want to do this every single day to the full max, an incredible workout from start to finish, or I don't want to work out at all. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I love that small incremental, um, there's another one it's called, uh, uh, marginal gains, isn't it? Marginal gains, um, small incremental habits. Um, yeah, and with, with, with building my business as an example, uh, one of my friend tours is uh, a great guy who taught me get more excited about how much money you ask for, not how much money you get. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. He's like, yes, it does. Because if you continue to ask for more and more money, you'll continue to get more and more money. It's a numbers game, right? And he said, when you get excited about how much money you ask for, then that means you enjoy the process of sales. And you are far better off in business enjoying the process of sales than making money. Because if you make money and then you stop because you hate sales, you won't grow. Yeah, absolutely. When you're selling things online, for me, I know that when I sell my 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 products, one year no beer, that somebody's going to be doing a 28 or a 90 day totally uh, habit changing program, which is going to transform their life. Now, not just their life, but the lives around them. This is why our mission this year is to impact 1 million people. And I know I can do that because we need to sign up 100,000 members. In getting to 100,000 members, we'll affect the people around them, the kids, the friends, the, the colleagues. They'll be changing their relationships. So, you know, it's not just excitement. It's feeling this huge um, sense of achievement and pleasure. Actually, I need to remind myself of that. <laughs> there you go. Because people's lives are getting changed. Um, and focus on that. Now, before we wrap up, Sean, um, any sort of final advice for somebody, you know, let's say I'm listening to this podcast early and I'm thinking about um, taking control of a negative habit like drinking alcohol or drinking too much. Um, any guiding advice for somebody trying to go against the grain and change? Well, I dive into a spiritual heart-based conversation on that. And I would say the the only reason why any of us drink or do drugs or do anything of that nature is because we want a change of mood, right? We want to, we want to relax or we want to drown out our life or we want to numb out. And I would strongly recommend that you see that there is another life waiting for you. And this life is a life where that activity is not necessary, that you actually are not numb anymore. You don't need to be numb, that you are fully in alignment with P 
people and experiences that light you up and that your clarity of thought is there that you you crave that that sobriety you crave that mental clarity if you look at it as like a a painful process of letting go of something it's gonna be horrible you gotta look at it as like heading toward a life that is filled with focus and clarity and and true fulfillment and you are able to impact people because you're sharper your re- your mental faculties are are there your your physical uh mobilities are are stronger and your coordination is better you're really going to be upgrading your the machinery that you're living in and think about all the cool things and the impacts that you can have by upgrading your machinery and you and I both know that alcohol or any any substance it's just it's just, just a distraction because you're overwhelmed but if you could handle that overwhelm in a way that when you chose that when life works list or when you chose that connecting and aligning with your life purpose or when you chose to hang out in an empowering environment you find that over a period of time you don't even miss the alcohol you don't even miss those substances because your life is so much richer and it really does come down to being on your own team you need to be your number one fan. You need to be your number one cheerleader. You need to be that that individual who is willing to look yourself in the mirror and say, "We got this." Even if we even if we lost everything, even if everybody thought we were crazy, even if it all went south, if I have my own back, and that's going to take my mental clarity, that's going to take my focus, that's going to take connecting to myself and believing in myself and having that heart connection with myself and loving myself. If I can look in this mirror and love myself, not needing anything external, any validation, any permission, anybody else's approval, but I could actually just love myself. Then I feel like I would be a tremendous value to this planet. And I lived out why I was born. Wow. <laughs> For everybody who's watching on the YouTube channel, you will see how Sean closed his eyes and got connected to his heart and then just literally spoke to us straight from his heart. It was the most incredible experience. If you're not watching on the YouTube channel, then go to the YouTube channel and watch this podcast because it was incredible. And, you know, what you've just said there is so powerful, Sean. And, and, you know, you've literally just regurgitated the one year no beer business plan. So thank you very much. It's the, that that is that is what we're trying to do here, and that's what we're trying to say to people. And you just said it in, in better words than I ever could. I hope that if you're listening, that has really touched you because it absolutely has me. I've had such such an incredible pleasure to interview you, Sean. Thank you very much for coming on the One Year No Beer podcast, and uh, I hope to have you back again soon. Absolutely, be my pleasure. And- I just want you to know that I'm so grateful for what you're doing on this planet. And I love you, brother. Thank you. I love you too, Sean. Awesome. 
I hope you I hope you enjoyed that. I hope that you took something from it. I hope that it's raised a few hairs on your arm like it did me. Um, and I really hope that you go and check out some more stuff about Sean Stevenson, especially his TED talk to the prison and any of any of that stuff. An amazing man. You know, what's interesting is that at the beginning, I said I said I was struggling at the moment. Um, could he point me in the right direction or, or offer me some guidance? He spent 45 minutes, nearly an extra hour on the Skype call with me after I did the podcast. That's fantastic. Um, and, he, and, he, and he just started to ask me questions, ask me questions and help me try and pinpoint down some things. It was really shifting for me. Um, so sometimes we just need to get, sometimes we just need to open up to somebody and, um, and, and, and that's what's great. Now, as you heard, Sean Stevenson is clearly a one year Nobia fan because everything he said was exactly what we are. Um, the unstoppable formula. Let's talk about that for one second, right? Number one, impeccable self-care. Ask yourself right now, am I giving myself impeccable self-care? What do I need to do to start taking steps towards impeccable self-care? If there's problems in my life, start with number one, impeccable self-care. If that's whether you're going to do some yoga, you're doing some meditation, you're starting to look after yourself. Am I giving myself impeccable self-care? That's the question. Number two, getting in line with your purpose. We talk about this so much. Andy and I believe firmly that the main cause of addiction sometimes is the fact there's a lack of purpose and meaning in your lives. And it's something that we work very deeply with people in our masterminds. Now, we've done, I don't know, we've probably had nearly 100 people through our masterminds now, and every single one of them say it was transformational for them. Every single one of them is saying they got a huge amount of value for it, way more than what we're charging for it. And that's because we start to really touch into what people's meanings and purpose and values are. Is there something you want to add there, Andy? No, only that it's just so key that we give ourselves time, the gift of time to actually evaluate these things and think for five minutes about what it is we really want from this short and precious life. And that's why a podcast such as this drives that message home fundamentally that we're all so lucky or we're much more lucky than we actually realize and if you can take a bit of time to really reflect and find out what it is you want, it's massive. That is how lives are transformed in every single way. So perfect. Carry on. No, just um, again about the masterminds. Any queries about that, just hit us up on email, info at oneyearnobeer.com. The lovely Jen, who is um, all of it, not my wife, Jen, Jen, who looks after customer support. She'll tell you all about masterminds. And, um, and if that's not me or Andy replying. Number three, empowering environment. Now, this was tough to hear. This was tough to hear about whether we might have to remove relationships for our, from our life or whether we might have to remove people or change our circumstances. And the reality is, like I said in the podcast, you may not be ready for that. If you feel you're not ready to remove yourself from a difficult relationship, a difficult friendship, somebody who's not empowering you, then it's because you're not doing number one and number two. And what an amazing roadmap. This is the roadmap for us to feel better, to get the life that we want, to, to, to build that um, self-esteem and, uh, and self-empowerment. I hope you've reflected on those questions. That's, that is your homework from now till next week. Impeccable self-care. Get in line with your purpose and make sure you're in an empowering environment. And that's the unstoppable formula. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in to the One Year Nobia podcast. See you next week. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the One Year No Beer podcast. For a full list of episodes and to join in the challenge yourself, head on over to oneyearnobeer.com. One year no beer.com.